Our next update case is the McDonald's Chicken McNugget case. And if you recall, that case was bifurcated. So what happened when we talked about it the last time, um, we discussed that the jury had found McDonald's liable, Mm -hmm. but they hadn't addressed the damages yet. And so the update is that they have... They, they they did the second trial yeah. on the damages, and they've awarded $800,000 to um, to the family of this little, little girl who yeah. was really significantly burned, second-degree burns, by this chicken McNugget. Prioritizing profit. Prioritizing Prioritizing pro- Dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode, Prioritizing Profits, Dangerous Drug and Product Cases. Another week, another podcast, feeling good. How are you doing? How how was this last week for you? Well, so the weekend was fabulous. This week has been a little rough. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Let's let's get into that. Ah. Chaos has unfolded (laughs) in the shout house. Yeah, like floods. I mean, we, I had, uh, so we were away for the weekend, um, did our hiking trip up in Flagstaff, which was really, really nice. Another one down. Another uh, four down. Four down. Okay. See four. that? At that point, it's like, I know it was at 52 because there's 52 weeks in the year. Like everyone knows 52 weeks in the year. <laughs> uh, you but got it. four in a week. I mean, geez, you guys could take a month off in the year B. Well, except that we were behind because it's just so blasting hot here. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. 110 in Tucson. And you guys are probably, I don't know what you're up to. Hundred. I, I don't even like to look. It yeah. stresses me out. But every time I put some in location or an address into the maps, it says excessive heat warning. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and actually just driving up there, we stopped at the rest stop, rest stop kind of just outside of Phoenix. And I mean, it was noticeably hotter there than it is down here. I mean, mm. I was like miserable. I, there was a line for the bathroom. Room, so I was like actually standing outside for a few minutes. Oh, that's terrible. No, it was just crazy. I mean, I, you know, you think 110, 115 at some point, you're just exploding, whatever, you know. But I mean, it was it was significantly different. But then um, getting up to Flagstaff, um, so like at the real midday heat, it was about 90. Mm-hmm. But we did hikes earlier in the morning and then later in the afternoon. And the evenings were actually cool. And there's some breeze up there. The hiking was nice. We were in the forest and, you know, shade and a little bit of breeze. Um, I mean, it was hot and we were doing a lot of hydrating and hydrating of the canines and <laughs> and staying in the shade as much as possible. We actually went to we went to this one location on the second day for our morning hike. And I just looked at it. I was like, where are the trees? I mean, it looked like they were a mile away. I'm like, this is like a death march. And so we literally got in the car and went to a different, different uh, trail. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> survival. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to get through, get through the fifty-two. <laughs> so we did do four. We got there on on Thursday evening, and we got up Friday. We were thinking we'd do a morning and a late afternoon and kind of wait out the midday. Yeah. But we did a pretty intense one in the morning, so we just were like, all right, we can't do two today. Um, and we went into town, dropped off the dogs after the long hike, um, went into town, had a big lunch, which then required a nap. Of course, obviously. <laughs> It'd be irresponsible not to. Uh, pretty much, pretty much. So we did not get two hikes in that day. Um, Saturday, yeah, Saturday we got in two hikes. We got on an early morning hike, took a good long break midday, mm-hmm. and then a late afternoon hike. And then Sunday morning we packed up the car 
and went to this amazing place called Sand, Sandy's Canyon. Beautiful, beautiful hike outside of Flagstaff, Arizona, in case anybody's looking for a place. Um, and we hiked, um, gosh, I was a little bit over two hours, and then drove home from there. So four more. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like a good productive weekend. Yeah. Uh, accomplish, accomplishing the challenge of 52 hikes in a year. Uh, and then you got home. <laughs> then we got home Sunday evening. All was well. Um, I actually, so um, we're, we live in a two-story house here, and this, the downstairs is the gym and Ben's basically apartment, which also includes our podcast studio. Yes, I don't live here anymore. It's no. back in high school. This was my location. It was your location, but um, you know it's a very kind of segmented area. Um, but I actually did come in here because it did appear that you had had some guests and perhaps um, some beverages consumed and some. Yeah, no, we were slamming. <laughs> yeah, we were slamming. It was a good day, Saturday. Well, and then, you know, I figured all right, I bet you come down and just make sure there's nothing that the dogs could eat and have a problem with and mm. close the door and everything. So I came down. So I know everything was fine. I mean, yeah. you know, there were some things to be picked up, but, but there was no disaster. Um, and then Monday morning got up, Peter goes off to the hospital. I'm taking my time in the morning. And then I came downstairs, going to hop on the treadmill and go through my emails. That's where I do that. Came down an inch of water under the treadmill. Jesus. Yeah, and and water just dripping out of various parts of the ceiling in the gym came into this area, uh, raining from the ceiling all yeah. over the place. Yeah, so uh, just pretty disastrous. Although, you know, in the scheme of things, and this was I, I, my challenge for the week was that I was not going to complain. And I didn't actually, there was very minimal complaining. I was pretty good about that. I did scream and cuss briefly. Yeah, that's not complaining. That's yeah. releasing emotion. Yeah, energy. I mean, that's like, you know, reacting, um, you know, releasing energy. I had to do that. Um, and in the scheme of things, I mean, the, the damage to actually items was not terrible. Um, but I did have to get somebody here that afternoon. Well, we had every bowl and bucket and everything underneath the various leaking spots, collecting things, running and emptying them and replacing them. It was kind of um, got all of my 10,000 steps in just in the process of controlling the flood and then cleaning up after um, we finally I have a, a good friend who does all of kind of the handiwork stuff, came over, um, started tearing apart the ceiling and the walls, found the leak, fixed the leak. Um, but there's extensive drywall and painting that will need to happen, as, as you can see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can't even imagine walking downstairs. And it crazy. So this happened overnight, Sunday to Monday. Yeah, it had to have happened. Well, although it looks like it was a slow leak and it was building up in the ceiling before mm -hmm. it started actually soaking through and, and dripping down. But so. then across several rooms, or I guess like two, two, yeah, rooms, two rooms, everything just happened at once. While yeah. you're sleeping, you wake up, come out for a normal day, starting your week. With a massive uh, challenge. Monday. Yeah, massive <laughs> challenge of not complaining either, which I can't even imagine going 24 hours without complaining, let alone a full week. Well, okay, so the, the, uh, perfectionism uh, is not the plan, uh, but uh, much better. And I really have to say that, that it was kind of a good exercise. And, and, you know, I mean, I could have bitched and moaned a lot. I mean, there was plenty to, yeah, to moan no, and groan about, for sure. Like it. it was a real headache. It's expensive. It's It was just, uh, you know, completely throws your whole day and, you know, really the beginning of the week off. Um, but the reality is it could have been so much worse. It could have happened while we weren't here, which would have really damaged the floors. Yeah. Maybe the, I mean, you know, the treadmill still is fine, works. Um, you know, it's a big headache, but I did get somebody out here that same day. We figured it out. Um, you know, it's a minor disaster. So, so it could have been worse. 
Yeah, could have been worse, and I am convinced it was oh. a demon. Well, okay. yes. Well, because apparently you had a run-in with a I demon. Didn't. Look, okay, this weekend. Yes, and I have always been convinced this house is haunted, and I've I've recently come to realization. I actually don't think it's a house. I think it's just downstairs. I don't know what it is, but every time, even in high school, I'll just get these weird feelings. You know, just unsettled. I'm just unsettled. Which you know, you don't get that when you're in your house. You're not supposed to. <laughs> And then, it, and then once I moved out and I was in college and then I would come back and visit, or even now when I come back and visit, if I stay in a night or two, I'll, I'll be laying in bed in my room and I just feel off. I feel like there's something there. I don't know. It's not like I'm convinced someone's there and being watched or something, but it just feels a little off. And then, and Christina said the same thing. When she's here, she just feels a little off down here. Upstairs, upstairs completely fine. No, no issues. But then that night, Saturday, we had a few people over. We were drinking a little bit. I passed out pretty early. It was like six or seven, something wow. like that. Yeah. Um, and, then, you know, I was in and out of sleep and everything. And then uh, I, I woke up because I was on the couch upstairs. And then I came down here and I laid down on the couch and it was like midnight or something. And I wake up at 3 a.m., almost like a night terror, terror. Like, just just absolute panic. And I wake up, and I see this massive, wrangly, black figure. And it wasn't... It was tall, but it wasn't like its head was in the ceiling. It was like it was so tall for the room, for the house, that it had to, like, bend over. It had its arms, like... <laughs> like a horror coming. Yeah. Oh, trust me. <laughs> You're right. It was like a horror movie. movie. I woke up freaked out. I mean, just absolute terror. Christina was, was uh, on, the, on the other couch next to me. She freaked out. She was like, what's going on? I said, I, we're getting the fuck out of here. 3 a.m. I said, we're getting the fuck out of here. I cannot sleep here. Immediately packed everything up, did a quick clean, quick scrub of everything, got as much trash as we could, left within like 30 minutes. And even creepier too is we went upstairs and I wanted a little snack before we left, so we didn't have to stop to get food. And the entire, we were there for like, what, 48 hours, something like that. Entire weekend, it, the house was comfortable. It was fine. But then after that happened, we went upstairs. We were both freezing, like freezing cold, like needing a jacket upstairs. Which, if anyone watches a scary movie, you know when there's paranormal stuff going around. It gets a little cold. You see your breath coming out, and that's when you know you're fucked. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I we, we got in the car at 3 a.m. I kept having this vision of turning back because the lights in, like, the kitchen and like the dining room we're, we're on of this vision of turning around and looking at the window and you know in scary movies when there's like a light on in the house and you just see like a dark a figure yeah standing in the window I kept envisioning that um so yeah drove drove back to Scottsdale in the middle of the night got back around 5 5 30 texting immediately said hey just got home uh that house is fucking haunted I can't <laughs> sleep there and then what do you know this catastrophic event happens. Pretty sure the demon was pissed I escaped. I, I got think away. so. Well, and I mean, yeah, I mean, the leak was the, the it was located in this, you know, in your area yeah. down here. It was actually where the hole is and where a lot of the damage is, is right where I saw him standing. Oh, see? Looking at it me. It was poking a hole in the pipe yeah. right then. And I've, all, I've had other experiences. There's been one time I was staying the night at Christina's house and she was going to work and uh, later that day, I was like, oh, yeah, I woke up. She woke, it was like 5 a.m. She has early mornings. And I was like, yeah, I woke up, and I saw you were just kind of like standing by the door. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you're just standing there like keeping an eye on me. And she's like, no I, no, I wasn't. I was like, no, you definitely were. I like remember seeing you, short little girl, <laughs> short little woman, uh, standing like in the corner of the room by the door just like staring at me. She was like, don't do that. Stop. <laughs> it freaks me out. 
Yeah, and and so I didn't mention it, but that definitely I remember that very vividly. So that makes me think then that something's following you. That it may not be this house. Or it may not be Christina's place. Yeah. I mean, you know, this this demon is more well. Related I think to you. it attached to me when I was here, <laughs> and it's weaker when I'm gone. But when I'm here, it's like okay, now back to business. This is where we're really we're really gonna fuck <laughs> this back. kid up. Yeah, this is our shot. Well, the demon really hasn't bothered me directly, but. If, if, if in fact the demon, and I don't know if it's male or female or if, if, if demons have even genders, genders yeah. um, but anyway, it um, may, have, may well have caused the leak. But then, so then the, my question is, today I woke up and there was a big... Demon uh, in your room. No, there was no demon in my room. <laughs> Not that I noticed, at least. There, yeah, there were a couple of demon dogs, which... <laughs> But 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 that, that was it. Um, and then there's a big irrigation leak. I mean, is the demon like you know messing around in the front yard too? You just, never know. Messing I mean, with the. Plumbing? I think it's the whole whole property. But I do challenge you and Peter stay one night down here and um, just just see how you feel. See if you feel a little off. See if anything well, you know. I have to ask um, Jake and Ashley. I mean, they stayed down here when they were visiting with the kids too. Yeah. So I'll have to ask them if they had any demon uh, interactions. I always thought too with Bruno that if there was an entity around, I'm a very paranormal person, I believe very deeply paranormal. I, see. I don't know about ghosts, but you know, something, something's out there. Uh, I always assumed you and Bruno dogs are supposed to be really in touch. Uh, but I realized we came home on Friday and he was sleeping down here. And you know, when you open a door, there's like a loud beep and like any other dog, usually with him, he'll like start barking a little bit or he'll run up, see what's going on. We open the door, call his name, nothing. We're like, oh God, is everything okay? We walk down here. Dogs just passed out. Passed out. Didn't wake up from the door, door slamming, the beeping, <laughs> us stomping across the house, he down the stairs. Terrible watchdog. Yeah, terrible. I walk up. I pet him. Hey, you good, dude? He, he panics. Pan- he, didn't, he didn't even know I was in the house. He probably didn't even realize we had left. <laughs> he was like, you guys just left? It had been like four hours. <laughs> this dog is a really good sleeper. He is, yeah. But definitely not watchdog material. No. Although, so my, the two monster dogs, Ava and Bauer, I mean, they're constantly barking where I think there's absolutely nothing. So perhaps yeah. they are sensitive to the demon. And well, they, I think they're they, on the ball. I mean, they're kind of sensitive to everything, to be fair. I mean, it, it, and they <laughs> could easily just be barking at absolutely nothing just to mess with us because that's part of their MO. Yeah. So. Well, anyways, I mean, I could go on about this and my sure. paranormal experiences in this house for, yeah. for a while. We All could right. spend a full episode, but. But we'll save, we'll save some more. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to the. We'll save it. I, <laughs> we'll I love to this topic. I think it's interesting, and it's kind of like therapy. You know, this is something I've been struggling for a while now. Now we get it out. We get it out to the people. Well, perhaps we need an exorcist. I don't know if anybody is aware of any uh, exorcists in within the southern Arizona region. I think we just need to burn some incense. Or sage. Isn't sage system? Sage, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. All right. I hang up some crosses. Huh. And if you come down here and one of them's upside down, that's when you know. The test. That's game over. We're fucked. We're really fucked. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we'll we'll update update the listeners on how this all plays out. Speaking on updates. Yes, updates. Updates on cases. A um, couple of cases that we've talked about. Um, one is, do you recall the exploding detergent pod case? How could I forget? 
Yes, I think that was relatively uh, memorable. So this was a situation where a guy um, was putting the dishwasher pod into the dishwasher. It exploded. Um, the chemicals shot into his eye, causing some pretty serious damage. Um, and he filed suit against Procter & Gamble, the manufacturer of the dishwasher pods. And the interesting thing about that case, and the reason I had picked it out and talked about it at the time, was that he was trying to turn this into a class action. So there's individual cases where one person sues the defendant, company, whatever, here, P&G. Uh, and then there's class actions where you say this is a really big problem and it affects so many people that, um, that, that there should just be a case that includes everybody who has this problem. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have to then file individual suits. They'll just be able to collect. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the update on this is that um, the court said no, they do not think that it um, rises to the level of a class action. <clears throat> so he can continue with his in initial, his individual case for his individual damages. But they said basically, you know, millions and millions of these dishwasher pods are out there and there isn't an indication that this is a common problem. Mm -hmm. And so basically every consumer who ever bought this product would, including me, because remember I have that up there. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it has not exploded on me, but so all of these consumers um, would be included in this class and eligible to make a claim. But there's no indication that a lot of people are having this issue with them exploding and shooting chemicals into people's eyes. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see how his individual case goes, and it kind of makes sense because I, I just in the research I did, I didn't see that this was like a huge problem. Um, anyway, so. Yeah, it seems like a very unique situation because you mentioned you didn't even know how it could have exploded. Well, I couldn't figure eye. it out initially. I was like, well, I mean, you know, when it says exploded, I was just thinking you're just holding it and bam, it goes. And then you kind of, you know, said, hey, it's probably when you close the little door. and a that makes, latch in there, yeah. Yeah. And so that makes sense because then you're, it would puncture it and then that would allow. But that's more than a puncture as opposed to an exploding. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it, it just, I think those pods in general, whether in general, whether it's detergent or uh, dishwasher, they're just very compact and they're yeah. very pressurized. Well, that's true. So if there is a puncture, then it could explode out. Pops right out. Yeah. That, yeah. And just shoot right out. And if your eye's in the way and yeah. eyes are very magnet, like I swear there's like, it's like shit just goes in people's eyes. I mean, like those bungee cords. I mean, it was always like, you know, every time a bungee cord malfunctions, it gets somebody in the eye. What's that about? I mean, well, I think it's the most serious damages yeah. when it hits the eyes when that happens. If yeah. a bungee cord slaps you in the arm, it's like, oh, shit, that sucks. It hurts. But, you know, it doesn't make news. If bungee cord takes <laughs> an eye out, it's like, holy shit, guys, this is... Oh, you know, you go, it goes back to that old saying, it's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye. <laughs> Sounds a good point. That's yeah, good it's all legal. There's no lawsuits until somebody loses an eye. No one bats an eye until someone loses one. <laughs> I think I like that one even better. <laughs> all right. So another case um, that we have talked about with a, a quick update is the chemical hair relaxer cases. Um, and just kind of a reminder, the chemical hair relaxers um, include chemicals that are endocrine disruptors. And so these chemicals can interfere with um, hormones. And as a result, uh, many women who use the, uh, this product consistently um, have been diagnosed with ovarian and uterine cancer, mm -hmm. I mean, very serious, um, yeah, very deadly cancer. 
So we talked about that um, in a prior episode, but the update is that um, the the defendants, and there are multiple in this case, had fought to try to bifurcate the case. Um, and what that means is they didn't want to just move forward determining liability and damages together. They wanted to, um, so bifurcate means basically divide in two. They wanted to have two trials, and the first one was just to decide the liability, to decide whether or not these hair relaxers cause cancer. But they didn't want to address any individual claimant's um, damages. So, and basically, they were going to be um, fighting about the whole sister study that was the study that came out and showed this this really high relationship with um, uh, ovarian uterine cancer. Um, Luckily, from our perspective, the court denied that and said no. I mean, the reason they wanted to do that is that it will delay things a lot. That was my question is, who does this benefit and if it, who does this harm and how so? Because why, what's what's the big deal with the figuring out the liability of it first? Because, you know, if they if it's found that there is a direct connection and they're liable, then damages should be easier to figure out, right? Right. I mean, you know, in any case, you're always going to be addressing the liability first and then the damages. And if the jury decides that there's no liability, they don't even have to go into the damages. Yeah. But, of course, when you do it all in one, a lot of the evidence is evidence about the damages. Um, but it takes much longer. So so who does it benefit? It's going to benefit the defendants. It's mm-hmm. going to drag out any kind of recovery for the plaintiffs much longer, um, hurts them. And so the court said no. Um, you know, it, it, The only way I think the court would have gone forward or would have agreed with them was if it was really, really shaky liability. And they were just like, well, I don't even want to waste the time. Yeah. Um, but, but, but it's a very strong study. And the court said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep these together. Um, it will be one trial, um, liability and damages. So that's a, a positive. De- well, <laughs> I guess it's not a negative development. Had it gone the other way, it would have been a negative development. So it's moving along as normally it would. Um, the discovery is ongoing. Um, a lot more cases are getting filed pretty regularly. Again, once these cases get um, get consolidated into a multi-district litigation, cases just start pouring in um, more regularly. So, so that's still happening. We are definitely still taking um, hair relaxer cases. And if anybody um, has any questions um, or thinks they might have a claim or wants to find out if they have a claim, certainly they should um, should get in touch with us. And. Kind of just going back to the hair relaxers, it was especially common in, in black communities, right? Oh. Right, right. Well, so hair relaxers are used, yeah, um, black and brown communities really, I mean, um, because of the hair texture. So that's, it's used to straighten the hair. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, I think the whole point of it is to try to make hair look more Caucasian, um, which is a whole nother issue about how, you know, outrageous and atrocious it is that, that society is basically saying, hey, your hair is not acceptable. But I mean, that being said, too, it's not just society. I mean, it, 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 it has affected people. Many people say that they feel they're discriminated against in the workplace if they don't conform to these, you know, traditional and very racist mm-hmm. beauty standards. Yeah. Um, so so a lot of people have felt really kind of compelled to, to use this dangerous product. And so the majority, if not all of them, I would assume, are women using these these products. You know, I, I, well, 
they're definitely the only ones getting ovarian and uterine cancer. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's an interesting question because I hadn't even thought about, um, you know, whether men straighten their hair. I suspect some men do. And, um, you know, and I don't know the answer to how that would affect them. Yeah. I mean, again, it would be different hormones, but hormones nonetheless. So um, that's, it's interesting. I think, you know, probably the number of men that would use this is so small yeah. um, in comparison that they're, I, I don't believe there's been a study done. Yeah. Um, but that is an interesting question, and I, I, don't, I don't know. If there are issues, then because such a small portion of them are men that are using them, the odds of those issues coming out are much less likely. Um, but in these cases of women, they're getting the, these uterine cancers, this variety of different cancers, and um, they don't have a history of it. Right. Well, they, they don't have a family history, and they're very young, and they're not in like the normal risk categories. And so that which, what is what raises the red flag, where they're saying, why are all of these you know, young black women experiencing you know, this horrible yeah. cancer, and we don't see risk factors? What's going on? What is the common denominator? And it turns out that the common denominator was hair relaxer usage. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, again, I mean, we went all over this, but I think it's just so crazy that something like hair relax, hair relaxer products, something that you put on the top of your head is causing hormonal issues, causing uterine cancer, all these the variety of different issues, something that you wouldn't even imagine is connected in any way, yeah. but it becomes such a serious and, and prevalent problem that doesn't make sense that people just start looking at all these different factors and these, these commonalities between victims and somehow gets to the end point of like, wow, it is actually hair relaxer causing this. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, a number of products, that's, that's basically what happens. I mean, they start ruling out other things and trying to figure out what do these people have in common. Mm -hmm. Um, And it isn't the first or second or hundredth thing you might've guessed, right? I mean, it's something that's very, um, very unusual. Yeah. And I I think with, like you said, this is just how it happens with issues with uh, products or with medication or anything like this, because there are some products and some problems that it it makes sense. You know, for example, the eye drops that we were talking about a while back where people are having these serious eye issues. And the first thing you look at is like, okay, what's happening to the eyes or commonalities? What are you putting in the eyes? It's kind of a much much easier one. You connect two and two together a lot easier than this, where it's just completely different body parts, completely different, um, just, just aspects and, and yeah. things connecting that don't, yeah. don't really make sense. Well, you know, and it's inter- it goes back to, you know, the, the very first case that I got involved in that really got me into mass torts in the, in the beginning, back in the day was, um, the denture cream cases, you know, where there was excessive zinc included in denture cream and the, the problems that people were having were peripheral neuropathies. I mean, and they were, before you go into that, I don't even know how to say that word. Peripheral neuropathy. Okay. Basically numbness in your uh, extremities, your hands, your feet. Um, and they were becoming, I mean, unable to walk, um, wheelchair bound. And again, you know, what in the way, I mean, and, and that was a situation where, you know, you could be diabetes can cause a problem. It could be, you know, spinal injury. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, you know, ALS, MS. Um, there's a lot of different things that, that could be causing this, you know, numbness and tingling and um, loss of sensation in your feet and your legs and sometimes your hands. And all those make sense. Like all of those would right. be like, okay, well, this is a clear reason for it. Well, exactly. But so then people were going through test after test after test. And basically, you know, again, with this, you 
look at the things, the obvious things or, yeah. you know, the common things, and then you're finding this whole group of people who don't, ha- there, there's nothing, nothing's coming up positive. Why are they having that? And then what's the common denominator? They all have dentures. And they're all using denture cream. And so crazy. Yeah. So so again, I mean, that's it's just how these things work sometimes. And for years and years and years, um, people didn't have any idea. And I mean, how frustrating is that to just to have doctors throw up their hands and say, I have no idea what's going on. Every single test is is negative. And then it's almost like, you know, they can start making you think you're crazy. Yeah. You know, is this really even happening? Oh, I know. I mean, when I was um, for audience, no, I have rheumatoid arthritis. And when I was growing up and I was like having these problems, I was like, what the hell's going on? And my, my, uh, general physician was like, Oh, it's growing pains. I was like, dude, this, there's just no shot. This is growing pains. I mean, fuck, I'll power through it and hope to God. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's kind of along that idea is you don't know what's wrong. The doctors are trying to figure it out. They don't know what, what it is. And it, it's a very frustrating experience. And I, I think, especially with these denture creams, if someone was, you know, fully physically capable and then they are wheelchair bound and all of a sudden they realize it's because dentures, because of the cream that they put in their mouth, I'd be like, are you, I would have never done this. Right. This is absolutely, how does this even make any sense that this is connected in any way? I would be livid. Yeah. Well, and people were, I mean, I think that they were just, you know, hugely relieved to finally get an answer um, and to be able to stop using that product. And then of course the manufacturers with the lawsuits removed that, removed yeah. the zinc from the product so that then it was not going to affect people in the future. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's crazy how these things work out sometimes, but. Yeah. Well, so hair relaxers, now it is going into a single case instead of it being separate from liability and damages. Well, it's, it's so it's still a multi-district litigation. Yeah. Um, so it's going to involve, you know, many plaintiffs. However, it's not, it's going to, uh, the case will remain um, as one entity. It will not be bifurcated or divided into two separate trials. They won't have to do a trial just to prove that the hair relaxers cause these cancers and then do a second trial yeah. months or a year later to assess the damages for whoever the plaintiffs are in those initial cases. So it's good news um, from, from our perspective, um, and, and it's moving right along. So. It does make sense that a single trial would be beneficial for the plaintiffs because, I mean, talking about the damages, that that's directly correlates to the liability and, and what's going on and why these things are going on. And I think, especially if you have a jury, it's going to mean a lot more if you have someone up there that talks about their personal experience, you know, them using this product it's, the entire time. And totally, then... totally. Well, and that's, and, and, and that's actually, it's a, that's a really, really good point. And I think a, a big reason why the defense wants to do it, they want to keep it very generic and not personal yeah. because, you know, the really, the gut-wrenching thing where you have, you know, the woman who's, uh, you know, maybe near death or has gone through this whole horrible situation, or you have her family because she's passed away from this condition. I mean, they, and and they'll always try to say, oh, that's biasing the jury. They just feel sorry. And they want to give them something, even though there's, there's not a good reason and there's not liability. So that kind of separates it out and makes it all very whitewashed, very clean, very, very generic, very unemotional. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah. So that, so I'm sure that plays a lot into what they want to do. And I think that's kind of an interesting topic is, is, 
you can see from their perspective is saying, well, it makes more sense to just look at the stats, look at the statistics, look at the the science behind it. Nothing else. No emotion. No yeah. No, no personality. Face, nothing. No. No sad person. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. And and if you're looking at it purely I, from one perspective, you can understand that, but from the other, it's that there's insane amount of damages happening. There's there's lives being ruined. There's lives being lost because of it. And to uh, just completely yeah. ignore that on the other side of the spectrum is absurd. Well, I agree. I'm glad you're on our side. <laughs> and I'm glad the court agreed. So, Well, so. I, and I don't want to get too off topic, but what type of cases or what situations, if you know any off the top of your head, where it made sense for that to happen or where it got passed through and it was, it, it, I guess it never makes sense, but it's a little bit more understandable. Well, so it's actually very interesting that you asked that question because our next updated case. Oh, let's get into it. Our next update case is the McDonald's chicken McNugget case. And if you recall, that case was bifurcated. Yeah. So what happened when we talked about it the last time, um, we discussed that the jury had found McDonald's liable, mm-hmm. but they hadn't addressed the damages yet. And so the update is that they have they they, they did the second trial yeah. on the damages and they've awarded eight hundred thousand dollars to um, to the family of a little, a little girl who yeah. was really significantly burned, second-degree burns, by this chicken McNugget. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was probably, you know, I, I don't know the reasoning of why they did bifurcate that. I mean, maybe they did think it was less likely that a jury was going to, uh, you know... To- uh, yeah, I mean, I think it kind of makes sense in this situation because you, you, you always mention it with the coffee and the McDonald's. It's like everyone's so outraged and they have these headlines and it kind of gets the general population like this is this is crazy. Up, yeah, yeah, like how could this woman, you know, it's obviously the woman's fault, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it's a very kind of like gut reaction emotion um, on the other, completely other side of the spectrum. And so in this situation where it's... It's 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 tricky, and so if it's it just makes more sense, I guess, in this one. I don't know. I well, don't yeah, know. this one I, it would have been interesting because it, it's a child. I mean, and it is a pretty nasty burn. I mean, they ultimately awarded eight hundred thousand dollars, so that's a yeah. pretty significant sum of money. So they didn't think that it was a minor injury by any any stretch of the imagination, you know. But again, there was such controversy and just craziness about the whole verdict with the coffee, um, and this one is different for a variety of reasons. But probably the biggest one is that um, it involves a child um, and an autistic child on, uh, you know, and, and as opposed to an adult who could be considered partially at blame yeah. um, or, you know, partially at fault. You know, they always blamed her for, for putting the coffee cup between her legs, for driving with it, blah, blah, blah. Um, again, a very different thing when you have a child in a car seat, um, yeah. you drive through, you know, they're going to eat the food in the car. That's what happens. You hand them, you know, the happy meal, McNugget falls out, hits her leg you know, and, and, you know, burns are real severely. So you can't place fault on the child at that point. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's, um, the update on that case. Um, I mean, you know, again, an interesting one and it kind of f- fell right in there because it's one of the few cases I can think of, um, recently that I was aware that they did bifurcate the trial. But again, you know, so here we are like several months later, mm-hmm. 
to get the damages, whereas had they not bifurcated it back when we talked about it the first time, that would have been done. And what's interesting is when you first mentioned this uh, originally on one of our episodes, I hadn't heard of it until you talked about it. But before you sent me, because you sent me like a little uh, news article about it it being kind of settled and there being 800K going to the victim, I saw it on social media. I'm pretty sure I saw it on some Instagram posts. I saw it on like Reddit and whatnot. Like it, it seemed more... Uh, available and just more widespread now that it had been decided and that there was liability, not only liability, because I didn't see that anywhere. It was that there was liability and there's this massive and, and, a, and a big, a big damage. I mean, again, not massive, you know, like in the crazy, you know, millions or millions yeah. of dollars or something, but 800,000 is a big, I mean, it basically is saying, yes, this is serious. Yeah. So, um, and I, yeah, I hadn't seen it too much on social media, but it sounds like it is, it is out there. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just kind of with the headline, right? Like kid yeah. that gets burned from McDonald's chicken nuggets awarded 800K right yeah. there. I mean, it's good clickbait. I If I didn't already know about it, I would have clicked on it. But I saw it and I was yeah. like, oh, well, I guess we got a topic for next show. Well, it's probably just because we talked about it on our yeah, know, earlier Yeah, our iPhones episode. are listening to us. Yeah, I go. They are, I swear to God. Alexa, everybody's listening. Yeah. There was one time I was watching a YouTube video and uh, wasn't even talking about anything, but I grabbed Q-tips and I started oh. Q-tipping my ear. <laughs> I didn't talk about it and say, oh, hey guys, I'm going to use this Q-tip. I was just using my Q-tip while I was watching a YouTube video. And what do you know? First time in my entire life, next video I click on, I have a Q-tip ad. Ne- had never received it before that, but then I got it right there and I was like, wow. So then uh, Christina told me to get this little, like, webcam cover thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So You're not being spied on out. anymore. Apparently. I mean, they were watching me clean my ears and thought, huh, they are pretty dirty. We get, <laughs> better give <laughs> them an ad. This man is quite the consumer of Q-tips. Yep. It could be a big business for us. He's we need a him whale. switching over. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he'll be one of our whales for sure. <laughs> a lifetime uh, user for sure. Okay, good stuff. Uh, let's go into cases we are handling. Okay, so um, cases we're handling, and as we mentioned last week, we're going to talk about mesothelioma, um, which is an asbestos-related um, disease. And then, of course, in the interim, um, there's been a really big verdict um, uh, awarded. I mean, these, these are awful cases, and, and generally when there is a verdict or a settlement, they are very, very big dollars. Um, but this involves, actually, earlier, earlier this month, um, a California case, $107 million awarded um, in a mesothelioma case against Union Carbide. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and just to, you know, we'll get more into this, but a lot of these cases are not going to trial because it became such a huge problem. And, and we'll, I'll go back over the history of this, but it became such a big problem that many of the companies that manufactured um, asbestos went bankrupt and they wow. established these bankruptcy trusts and they put, I think there's about $30, million, $30 billion in various trusts, like a hundred different companies wow. have bankruptcy trusts. So on these cases, many, many people don't ever have to go to a trial like this one. Mm-hmm. They actually can just make a claim against the trust if the defendant, the manufacturer um, of the asbestos that affected them has one of these trusts. And like I said, there's over 100 of them, so there's a lot. And that has to be, I mean, the, the issue had to have been just so massive, so prevalent, so almost obvious that they're like, okay, we don't even want to deal with this. Going to trial is going to cause so many more problems. It's it, You know where it's going to end. So they just put this money aside and, and say, if you have any problems or you... you well, they actually file, file bankruptcy um, and you know, some of these manufacturers, be, because they are... So 
if you get mesothelioma, and there's a couple of other conditions too, I mean, it's it's a death sentence. It's, it's horrible. It's an awful disease. And so the damages are huge. And the, the punitive aspect is what makes it really big too. I mean, again, somebody losing their life, that is worth a whole lot of money, obviously. Yeah. But then they also want to punish them because for so many years, these companies knew that this was just a dangerous, horrible carcinogenic product. And yet they hid the information and they kept using it and kept exposing people to it and people kept dying. And so these the punitive aspects were what was really night, you know, just wiping them out. I mean, they can always say, oh, how much is the wildlife worth? And we think it's going to be worth it to pay for X number of lives to make all of these billions of dollars. Well, not when you start getting slammed with punitives. You can't. The yeah. numbers don't work so well anymore. You can't predict that as well. Yeah. Uh, that's insane. So also real quick, I think we did cover this before as well, mesothelioma. Um, quick just overview. I mean, you said it's a... It, life death sentence. Yeah. So it's a cancer, I mean, but it's a real rare cancer. So it's not something that you're going to see from smoking, from other you know things. It's, this is very much related to asbestos. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a rare cancer, most often in the lining of the lungs. It can also be in the chest or abdomen. Um, and it's basically because you've been exposed to asbestos. And asbestos is um, it's a mineral. It's made out of fibrous or flexible fibers, but they're very resistant to heat, electricity, and corrosion. So they're used in a lot of products. They're very sturdy, very stable. Um, but of course, they also cause cancer. Yeah. So um, trade offs, I guess. Huh? <laughs> well, that's you know, again, a lot of in a lot of these uh, these manufacturing companies, yeah, they're willing willing to take that risk, willing to expose their their workers. Um, You know, you see a lot of it in um, building materials, uh, cement, electrical parts, insulation, auto parts, um, a lot of uh, in in, in military jobs, people were exposed to it. Um, Really, um, the people who are being hit the hardest are people in blue collar jobs, particularly the ones that that I mentioned. and you can also actually have secondhand exposure. So somebody who is working, you know, say um, demolition or something with some of these old buildings, they're being exposed to asbestos. They come home. Jeez. It's in their hair. It's on their skin. It's on their clothing. And so family members are then exposed to it. And again, you know, it's, it's a regular exposure yeah. both for them and for their family members. And so you're seeing, you know, um, spouses and children um, yeah coming down with, with uh, mesothelioma as well, and they've never, you know, worked in, in those environments. Yeah, that's that's terrible. And I think not, it, it makes a lot more sense as well now why they put these funds to this side and why it seems like kind of a very clear-cut case. Because like you said, it's a very serious cancer, but it's something that's very rare and only happens in very specific situations. And so the direct correlation there is a lot more obvious and provable. It is. And the other thing is that that you can actually, um, a lot of people, well, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of issues as with any case, but the latency is anywhere from 10 to 50 years. Wow. Right. So, um, you, you know, if somebody starts I- experiencing symptoms and gets diagnosed with this, then the question is, okay, now where were they exposed and when were they exposed? These can take 10 to 50 years 10 to for 50 it to years. really start coming up. Right. But it's actually, it sounds like it's, it's 
more complicated than it is. So you go back and you look at their work history or places that they lived, um, those sorts of settings, and you can and 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 and, and from the actual asbestos that they're they're uh, diagnosed with because there are different types. Uh. Yeah, with the different types of fibers, and you can determine what company it was that manufactured it. Yeah. So I mean, it takes a little bit of sleuthing around, and that's why it's good to get in touch with an attorney as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, because we can do that for you. Um, but but yeah, um, you, you know, and and a lot of people, especially if they've worked in one particular industry, they might have worked, um, but for different companies. So in some of these situations, they may be able to apply to multiple funds because yeah. they've been exposed to asbestos from several different manufacturers. That's that's really interesting. I think uh, because it it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning too. Is like some of these product cases or some of these uh, medications. It's trying to find a diamond in a rough. There's no direct correlation, and then even if you know what the issue is, trying to find something, you go through the most obvious answers, and then you start have to go through like the the crazy ones, the things that you wouldn't even assume. But in this situation, if you have uh, mesothelioma, mm-hmm. meso, yeah, people call it meso, meso, I call it meso, mesothelioma. Yeah, I mess that yeah, up meso. a few times if I don't. Uh, if you have meso, then you can go back, and there's very specific situations and locations that you have a chance of getting it. And then even if you kind of uh, you narrow that down, then there's also specific types that you, then you can even narrow it down even more. Yeah, yeah. So you know, again, there's a little bit of sleuthing and investigating that needs to happen, but a lot you can nail down, you know, which manufacturer and and you know whether whether it's a lawsuit, um, you, know, you have the ability to make a claim on the fund, that sort of thing can get can get figured out. Um, but uh, and part of the reason that that again the cases are kind of slam dunks are just that there's so much evidence out there that these companies knew really early on, like back in the late 1800s. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. When they were first using this, I mean, it was I think back in 1898. Um, you know, it was reported in England, 1918 in the U.S. in the U.S. Um, and then not until the 1930s, the U- U.S. Department of Labor got involved and said, hey, you know, you need to use exhaust systems and other safety methods. But still, the companies were saying, well, it's not that big of a deal still. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do these certain things to and, and a certain amount isn't going to affect you. And here's things you can do to be safer. Um, but in reality, that's not the case. I mean, in very small amounts of it are toxic. And that's why the punitive damages are so high is because they've known and haven't really done anything about it for 100 plus years. And not only have they not done anything about it, they've actually been misleading people to say. But they were misleading. They were hiding it. They were paying researchers to write papers saying that it wasn't that big of a deal. But what really turned the tide in these cases was in 1977, um, there was basically the cover up was exposed and they found what they call the Sumner Simpson papers. And and actually, I know you'll ask what that means. But. Well, if anything <laughs> ends with the papers, then you uh-huh. know it's a big deal. It's, it's like it's deal. an expose. Yeah. Well, so Sumner Simpson is actually a person. And he was the president of a company that was called Ray Bestos Manhattan. Ray Bestos Manhattan, now called Raymark. Better name change. Better, yeah. name, better name option. <laughs> yeah. um, but so what they found in, in, in a safe was this file that was under the heading of dust. Oh, my God. Right? Uh. Um, and basically, I mean, it was really outrageous, published in the New York Times, the whole thing. But, but it showed that they knew for years, and they were like, you know, 
just how they downplayed it, how they hid it. And it was all of these companies kind of in a coalition. They all knew about it mm -hmm. and they kept using it. And so that was like the big, as they call the smoking gun. I was going to say smoking gun. Right. Yeah. And so then from, and that's when the lawsuits started happening. Okay, here's the evidence. You know, these companies, they all knew, they all knew. And so now all you have to establish is that you were exposed, that you have the condition. Um, and we've already got you covered on, yeah, the companies knew and they shouldn't yeah. have been using it and they didn't protect you and they didn't care about liability. You. I mean, that's done. Shut. Yeah. You can bifurcate. You don't even have to prove, yeah. <laughs> prove liability, but I mean, it, it, even now it's about 40,000 Americans a year are dying from this. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And it's like just straight out of a movie to a safe in the back of a house or behind a painting and, and <laughs> reporter goes in, cracks the code. And what do you know? Here's all these documents that's that not only incriminate a single organization but this entire Whole industry yeah, yeah. The, the mafia that's ah. behind the scenes you know playing the with the public mafia. yeah yeah it's crazy stuff but um yeah so i mean so these cases have been going on for a long time um you know since the late 70s but again people are getting diagnosed all of the time 10 to 50 years 10 to 50 to years so so it's not the yeah and 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 that's why these trusts were set up because they yeah. knew not only are we getting slammed with lawsuits now but these things aren't going to stop coming because we've exposed yeah. all of these people for all these years it's going to their diagnoses are going to keep happening and they're going to come after us so um so these cases are still very active um, and, uh, and, and yeah, if, 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 you know, if you or anybody, uh, any of your loved ones have been uh, diagnosed with this and it's actually, so it's not just mesothelioma, um, also lung cancer, um, asbestosis and pleural plaque are some of the other diagnoses that come from exposure to, um, to asbestos. And uh, so two questions is one with the 10 to 50 years latency and also there being kind of other issues, but it seems like meso is kind of the big one. Mm -hmm. um, how does someone know? Like, I mean, even if if it takes 10 to 50 years, obviously this is something as serious as these, these cancers and these diseases are. You want to find it as quickly as possible. What do you even do? I mean, how do you keep an eye out for it? Is there certain industries that if you're working there, you need to like be checking in with the doctor consistently, um, you know, be a little bit more observant of, of potential lung issues? Well, so the actual, the symptoms that, that you, that, that usually show up initially are persistent cough, weight loss, shortness of breath. So, you know, it's going to be stuff that's involving your lungs and you're going to be probably seeing a pulmonologist, first of all, your regular doctor, then a pulmonologist. Yeah. And then, I mean, they will make a diet. If you have it, they will make a diagnosis. Um, but yeah, there are certain industries that are, um, you know, much more high risk than others. And those are some of like the, the automotive, um, let's see, manu well, manufacturing, building and equipment maintenance, renovation, demolition, uh, shipbuilding, firefighting, yeah. military service. And Jeez. actually, to, you know, to kind of come back to the case that we talked about um, that's, that, that brought this topic up, this, um, this verdict in California, um, because it's a different angle, the plaintiff in this case um, was a janitor at a school. Wow. Yeah. And so he was a janitor at a school, but then they did renovations at the school and it was an older um, building. And because he was a janitor, he was cleaning up a lot of the construction material. Wow. Yeah. So again, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was a janitor. He wasn't necessarily in some of these other, um, other professions. Mm -hmm. And yet 
he was exposed to this material within the workplace. Yeah. And then there's potential case, you know, against the you know, employer issues, um, but they were able to determine um, that, it was, that Union Carbide was the manufacturer. That's crazy. And it, I mean, it's so unfortunate too. a lot of the public servants, military and firefighters yeah, are experiencing yeah. it. But it seems like any, there's just a variety of different uh, industries that could be at risk of it. And the fact that it's a janitor who, you know, whenever I think of janitor, it's like the movies where the janitors, you know, like he's like the good guy. He's like he's the always guy. a good guy. He's always the- a good guy, you know, just, just, a, just a solid citizen. And um, with the renovations at the school, it makes you think too – yeah, he was probably around it more because he was cleaning it up. But I mean, it was still there. You know, there's teachers there. You teachers, know, early in the morning to be. the late at the night. Yeah. You know, all does anyone that was during there at the school during uh, the renovations? Yeah, maybe in ten to fifty years, who knows? They one of them could have more issues. Well, exactly. And it's also kind of goes to how you have to kind of do a little bit of investigative work here, because when he first gets diagnosed, he's like, okay, I'm a janitor. Well, okay. I mean, that's not necessarily what we would think would be a high risk profession. And then you need to start asking the questions, you know, what kind of situations happened over these years? Were you ever, you know, was there a big renovation? Um, You know, there are, you know, a lot of questions that you get into that then will say, oh, okay, well, this is probably, you know, here, here it is. This makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then the second question I had as well is because this has been such a serious, long, ongoing problem that the companies have knew about, are there changes going on now? I mean, is this something that hopefully in the next, after, you know, the next 50 to 60 years, once all of these cases that are happening now, um, hopefully go over. I mean, I know there's renovations, yeah. old buildings and all of that, but is there going to be a massive decrease because these companies are doing something different? Yeah. So, um, well, it, it's a really good question. I actually had it in my notes, but I hadn't, I had just skipped right past that. So I'm glad you thought you thought to ask that. Um, so in the late 1980s, the legislation was passed. And, and now at this point, um, asbestos is very highly regulated and any products that have it require very strict warnings. Yeah. So, so that, so it is, you know, there's, less exposure, but it's not completely banned. And the U.S. is the only developed country that has not fully banned it. The U.S. seems a little bit behind the curve in a lot of these areas. Well, I mean, is it behind the curve or is it because there's very powerful industry lobbies? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, these companies are obviously pushing for it. So, um, yeah. I mean, there are other countries where it's not banned, but really the only developed country where the only ones. Massive. So, I mean, so. when you say massive lobby, lobbying, you know, entity is kind of pushing and making making sure this is still legal. Immediately, I, th- I don't know why I thought of this, but like the tax industry and like uh, TurboTax and all that, because they those companies lobby the government to maintain this kind of like un, unknown area of how much do you pay in taxes do you pay in taxes what do you have to pay tax you know all of this i mean i guess people know what you have to pay taxes on but how much you owe the government because they know if you don't pay enough they'll let you know you yeah. didn't um but the, the these companies i guess have been lobbying the, the government to kind of maintain that so they their their industry stays alive. Well, yeah, I mean, and all industries have lobbyists, and and, and and yeah, but I mean, you know, if you think about like the manufacturing industry, I mean, that's just humongous. Yeah, yeah and so true. so this is going to be a big, powerful industry that's going to be, you know, donating to various politicians and all that kind of stuff, and and and, and they're fighting hard with tons of money. Um, so that's my guess as to why it's not completely banned here. But yes, the the numbers should be 
decreasing moving forward. But again, with that long latency, it's going to be a long time long before, time. Because, because it was just so pervasive for so yeah. long and with that long latency period. You know, and even still, you have situations like, um, you know, so a building wouldn't have asbestos currently, but they're doing renovations on this older school yeah. and the janitor's there. So, exactly. you know, so those other things are, those things are going to keep popping up, I think. Um, you know, probably for as long, for the foreseeable future, I can't, you know. So it sounds like if anyone has meso, then it's, you should immediately be reaching out because that's something that's such a rare and very unique and specific to this type of situation. But I know you mentioned as well, it's, it's other lung cancers. So anything that's kind of big issues with the lungs, it's worth at least keeping an eye out. Well, or? and they'll tell you too. So the lung cancer um, and the pleural plaques, I mean, again, those are things that, that are well known to physicians that those could be related to asbestos exposure. Um, so you'll have a good idea um, from your diagnosis. But yeah, I mean, certainly if you were in any of those industries, if you, I mean, don't delay getting treated as soon as possible if you're, you know, if you've got this persistent cough if you've got, you know, uh, shortness of breath. I mean, that's not something to fool around with. I mean, and nobody should fool around with that. I mean, anybody who experiences that, whether you've been exposed or not, you need to be getting into your doctor as soon as possible. That's fair. I mean, with coughs, like vapes becoming so big these days now Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, coughing and lung issues are just going to become even more prevalent because of the lack of regulation in that area as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's big. I mean, that's big. Uh, Definitely, yeah, reach out. That's the cases that we're handling and... um, I mean, it's clearly a pretty big deal if if they've already put this these funds aside. Yeah. So, um, so maybe we do have we have gotten actually a number of questions now per our persistent requesting of questions. Nice. So since we were kind of getting close to our hour mark, I figured we should jump in and, and answer one of them. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so one of them, and it, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's cool because it kind of goes back to when we had the question about what's a, what is a tort? You know, again, some of these things that where we use this terminology a lot, but maybe we haven't um, defined it. And um, so the question is, what is a bellwether trial? Because we have been talking, we always talk about these bellwether trials in mass torts and in multi-district yeah. litigations. And uh, we do, we reference that a lot because we talk about multi-district litigations and how these process and that there are bellwether trials. And those are kind of like, we've referred to them as the test case trials. Um, but, but to go back to the actual term, um, you know, why is it even called a bellwether? Um, and I think I looked this up early on when I started getting involved in mass torts because it was just such a weird term. It, is, I, it makes me think of a last name. Like there had to be an individual that this is connected to. Actually, it's not. Oh. It's, it's really, so it's an old English term, but it's a bellwether. And so it involved, and a weather is a sheep. Oh. And um, actually, a weather is a castrated ram. But when you have um, sheeps in a herd, they're the leader. Yeah, it wears the bell. Oh, so there's the bellwether. The weather wearing the bell yeah. is at the front of the herd, and so the other sheep follow the bellwether. I don't know why I thought it was like when there's bad weather back in, in <laughs> England, they would ring a big bell. Hey guys, big <laughs> storm coming. Get inside. That's before they had Alexa saying, warning, no, that's flood before, alert. Yeah, before you had the iPhone going yeah. off, emergency. Beep, 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 emergency alert. Yeah, no. Um, so so that's where the term came from. And it was, you know, the, the sheep at the front of the herd. And so it kind of then makes sense when you think about it. In these cases, you have thousands of plaintiffs. 
um, and you you would potentially have thousands of trials, but you have this one at, at the front. Yeah. So those that initial trial that goes forward, and um, and and they're usually. Well, there, there, there can be, well, actually, sometimes cases settle before there's any bellwether trial. And sometimes there are multiple bellwether trials. But the real purpose of them is that you have hundreds, thousands of cases, and neither side can agree on, you know, say, what's a, a reasonable value for the cases. And again, they might vary. So there may be a variance in what the value is. But they can't get the cases settled. So they want to try a few cases, a few test cases, yeah. leaders of the pack. Get a median for them. Well, or get an idea from the jury. And so, you know, say the first case comes up and the jury's just outraged and just slams the defendant and, you know, big compensatory damages, big punitive damages. Uh, the defense can be like, okay, uh, that, that looks bad. Maybe we are <laughs> going to think about settling. Yeah. Um, but if you have a situation where the defense wins, you know, a couple of cases, that they're like, oh, they get pretty cocky. And they're like, well, we're not settling this case. We, can, we think we can win these cases. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but then... Uh, and then the cases that are one, you can get an idea, um, again, from talking to the juries afterwards, from finding out, you know, what was significant for them, um, how, whether there was a punitive aspect, that's always key. I mean, is it just what's the value of the injuries, say medical bills, pain and suffering, um, or loss of life, or, or are you now going to have to come up with some huge number to punish the company yeah. for doing something bad? So the, it's really, it's, it, it's, it's hugely valuable for both sides. Mm -hmm. to be able to move these things forward. Um, but basically, you know, I've called them like the test cases, but they are those front runners, you know, the, 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 the bellwethers, the, yeah. the, 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 the castrated rams at the front of the herd. <laughs> yeah, the, the people on the front lines running the front into lines, the, the gunfire. Yeah, the trial cases kind of thing. Um, and so that's why it's called the bellwether trial, and that's what they are. Um, like I said, there have been litigations where they haven't even gotten to an actual test case and they come to the table and they get settled. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's others, um, gosh, with some of the hip implant cases, the ASR hip implants, man, I mean, it was trial after trial after trial before they finally got the thing settled. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so it really varies. But um, that's what we were talking about when we reference bellwether trials. And we will talk about that a lot because it comes up a lot. Yeah. It seems like a pretty essential aspect of, of mass torts overall. And, and it's interesting too that you mentioned that sometimes they're not even necessary. Like I would imagine with some of these yeah. meso cases. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were trials, you know, early on. I mean, when those papers came yeah. out. But at the, and then at some point, you know, I mean, but still, like, for example, this one that happened in California, that was a case where there was not a bankruptcy trust with that company. Uh. And so they did take it to trial and they wanted to fight it. Sometimes, you know, the liability is a, is this. Yeah, you know, they can fight whatever they want to fight. That's yeah. pretty tough. But a lot of times they're trying to fight to minimize the damages. And they'll argue, well, maybe there were other conditions that could, you know, or other defendants that had, you know, had also exposed him, yeah. other manufacturers, blah, blah, blah. I don't know all the details on that particular one. Um, and the ones where they kind of go to the table immediately, they're like, okay, yeah, we know we fucked it. Well, so you see that. So sometimes on a K on the um, mass torts where somebody where they've actually withdrawn the product, where they've recalled it. Yeah. I mean, that's you know they're going to say that's not an admission, but it, I mean it pretty much. They're saying that <laughs> there's a big enough problem with this thing that we can't implant it anymore. Yeah. Oh, 
and coincidentally, you're having problems with it. Hey. <laughs> it's a coincidence, guys, I, mean, I swear. I mean, I don't know that they really say that, but I mean, those are pretty much slam dunk cases. And then yeah. it's the question of what are the damages? Um, are there punitives involved? And, you know, and what's a reasonable uh, uh, compensation for somebody? And that's a great question. I mean, that's something I haven't even really thought about. And I didn't fully understand what a bellwether was. I kind of just insinuated it from the way that you'd use it. And you yeah. talk about test Context, cases. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's a great question. And it's so interesting to kind of find the origin of it because it's one of those, it's one of those words where you just, you don't even know where it comes from. Like the fact that it's a leading sheep or, or uh. castrated ram with a bell on it. Like, it's kind of funny that that's it's kind of cute. Yeah. Well, I don't know about cute, but <laughs> it's almost gruesome. I feel like, you know, I would imagine it's when there's a pack of wolves and the first sheep gets taken off and you just hear the little bell going oh, off into, the, into the forest. You're like, all right, guys, this is not a good, good luck. Well, see, maybe that's the analogy. I mean, sometimes the, that first sheep goes down. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Um, we are coming to a close here. Was there any others you kind of wanted to to touch on before? Um, well, we I, I had a pretty pretty juicy case to talk about, but we we are out of time. So what I'm going to do is talk about that one um, next week because the topic that um, that we're going to talk about are summer summer specific injury cases. And and the reason I came up with that topic was that there was a really crazy case. Um, involving um, injury when somebody was tossed off of a sea doo. Um, sea doo. Well, or like the um, jet ski kind of. Oh, I love jet skis. I know, I know, and and I know you know why I'm bringing this up too because we've had a personal experience with one of those. But yeah, that's a good time. Anyway, so um, so yeah, so so we'll talk about that case, but then on, in a broader sense, as I was researching this, I kept coming up with all these. I mean, you think about it, here, you are, you're at the beach, you're in swimming pools. There's a lot of injuries and cases that um, are more prevalent during the summer. Yeah. You know, jet skis are one of them, boating, that kind of thing. So I thought we would talk about some of those next week. Yeah. Let's really freak people out for the summer <laughs> summer vacation, summer trips. Have so, all your fun this week because next week... They're, they're, it's going to ruin not, it. Yeah. yeah let's get into some water park stuff. So anyone oh, that's going there, yeah. super excited. They have something to <laughs> keep an eye on. Yes, have your fun now. That's definitely interesting. I'm looking forward to getting into that. I'm sure there's a variety of different uh, kind of situations and, and areas we can go into because, I mean, there's a lot of summer activities. Yeah, dangerous shit. A lot of ones, a lot of them. Yeah. Well, be safe. Be safe this week. Yeah, well, be safe what, always. That's but. what we're here for. We're here for uh, giving you a heads up and to keep an eye out and know what to be safe from. Yes, yes. Um, but with that being said, I think we're ready to close up here. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It was a fantastic show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We always love uh, our weekly podcast and everyone tuning in with us. Um, and if everyone has any questions, feel free. Please drop them in the comments, TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook. If it's something you don't want your, you know, your public profile on, that's fine. Shoot us an email, info.showeredlaw.com or podcast. At Podcast at showeredlaw.com. Podcast at showeredlaw.com, and we'll definitely answer some of those questions. Uh, I mean, they, this one was a good one. You know, it's something neither of us really even thought about, but it's a good conversation topic and definitely pretty interesting. So feel free to drop that there. Throw us a follow. Keep up with us. I love it. Uh, but with that being said, hope you all have a fantastic week, and we'll see you next week at the same time. See you next week. Prioritizing profits, prioritizing, 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 prioritizing dangerous drug and product cases.